Sawyer. I was sad to hear that we have a limit on cookies. <laughs> I keep trying. We've had two masks deposited up here today. We are in uh, the season of Easter, and uh, each Sunday we are going to remind ourselves that Jesus is alive. And each Sunday we'll read one of the accounts out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or somewhere else in the New Testament that talks about Jesus being alive. So I want you to follow with me in Matthew 28, beginning in verse 5. The angel said to the women, Don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's been raised, as he said he would. Come and see the place where he's lying, and then go at once and tell his disciple that he's been raised from the dead, that he's going on ahead of you to Galilee. That's where you'll see him. There, I've told you. The women scurried off quickly, running away from the tomb with a mixture of terror and great joy. Going to tell the disciples. Suddenly, there was Jesus. He met them. He said, hi. They came up to him. They fell down at his feet. They took hold of his feet. They prostrated themselves in front of him. That's a, they're, they're worshiping. Don't be afraid, Jesus said to them. Go and tell my brothers that they should go to Galilee. Tell them they'll see me there. Then later in the passage, so the 11 disciples went off to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had, Jesus had instructed them to go. There they saw him. They worshipped him. Though some hesitated because of doubt. Now when you're looking for Jesus, where do you go? You're not going to find him on the cross. You're not going to find him in a tomb. In this story, you're not going to find him in Jerusalem where the cross and the tomb took place. If you're looking for him, you're going to need to travel two days north by foot. No trains, no planes, no automobiles. And you're going to find him on a mountain in Galilee. And when you're looking for Jesus, who do you listen to? For directions. Well, in this story, you may have to listen to an angel who initially terrifies you with their appearance because they just suddenly show up. And did you notice the, they, the angels, they don't give a lot of information. They seem to communicate in very short and direct dialogue. He's not here. He's been raised. Just as he said, there, I told you. 
it's, it's really an interesting, if you just stop and look at that detail. Or you, you may have to listen to ladies named Mary. Both of these ladies are Marys. And they're in a hurry. They're scurrying quickly. They're literally running. And they're a bit emotional. Like they're over the top with this mixture of panic and great joy. That What a mixture. What a mixture. <laughs> and when they're given the opportunity to worship Jesus in a moment, in a moment, they worship him with an intensity that's really not often seen in public places. The cross, the tomb, Jerusalem, Galilee, an angel, women, all are part of the story of looking for Jesus. But as you listen to the story, it comes down to one reliable witness on how to find Jesus. How do you find Jesus? If you're looking for Jesus, how do you find him? Well, the best reliable witness is Jesus himself. He told us before it happened, and many times, that he would hang to death on a cross. He told us before it happened that he would die and that his body would be placed in a tomb. He told us before it happened that he would be raised from the dead. He even told his disciples before it happened, meet me after I'm raised from the dead on the mountain in Galilee. So when you're looking for Jesus, the best person to listen to in order to find him is listen to Jesus himself. Well, how do we do that today? This event is history. How do we do that today? My suggestion is we read the story. Read the story in a translation of the Bible that speaks your language. I started reading the story in a modern translation of the New Testament written by J.B. Phillips. I also read uh, the, New, the Living Bible. Today, I, I like to read the message. All, all of those translations and paraphrases, they're accurate in telling the story in a language that you and I understand and makes sense to us. And I would suggest that you read the story written by Matthew. The story we're reading out of today. Matthew was one of the first followers of Jesus. He was a tax collector whose life was turned upside down in a good way when Jesus invited him to follow him. Read a chapter a day. Go slow. There's 28 chapters. Give yourself a month to read Matthew's story. And as you read, begin to write down your insights. Begin to write down your questions. For the time being, don't worry about the answers to your questions. 
Just write them down. But if you don't write them down, you're probably not going to remember them. So you want to write your questions down as you go. Do that for a month. The next month, the second month, ask a friend that you trust to read Matthew with you. And get together once a month, a week, sorry. Get together once a week and begin to ask the questions that you've written down. This time, with the help of a friend, try to answer the questions. People who look for Jesus today, I mean, if, if, you're, if you really want to find Jesus, if you're really looking for Jesus, you're going to find him. Because Jesus wants to be found. He, he's, he's not interested in being a hidden mysterious figure he wants us to know him and it is fair to ask well if i find him what's going to happen to me <laughs> well in our story today we have women and men looking for jesus because they'd been invited by him to follow at the most, some of these people had followed Jesus for three years. Just three years. And they didn't have to read the story. They were the story. <laughs> they listened. They watched. They were enfolded into this story. And as they followed Jesus and they learned from him, all of their lives improved for the better. Matthew, for instance, as a tax collector, he was a social outcast. Nobody liked him in his hometown. He was employed as a Jew, employed by the pagan Roman government the enemy he was hired by the roman government to collect tax from his neighbors he not only worked for a government that occupied his homeland but he also had very few scruples in overtaxing his neighbors in order to profit individually when Matthew said yes to following Jesus, he left a corrupt life behind him. And he discovered a new life of honesty and generosity, and he was no longer hated by his neighbors. He re-entered his community. No wonder that people like Matthew not only followed Jesus but they also became worshipers of Jesus. Remember the two Marys in our story? When they ran into Jesus on their way to deliver his message to the 12 disciples, they stopped in their tracks. They fell to the ground. They took hold of his feet. They worshiped him. He was their king. He was the one who'd helped them. Their lives were better because they, they, they knew him. 
Similarly, when the 12 disciples find Jesus in Galilee, on the mountain that they know they knew where to go. I'm not sure we know we don't know what that mountain is. There's some suggestions. But when they found him, they worshiped him. Like the two Marys, they they bowed before him. They literally kissed his feet. The resurrection of Jesus revealed to them that he was the Messiah, that he was king, that he was king a king worthy of worship, a king worthy of loyalty. A reality check in the story is recorded for us because some of those 12 followers of Jesus, and they're not named, there's no, there's no reason to name them. When they saw Jesus on the mountain in Galilee, they hesitated. They held back. The source of their hesitation was doubt. They were there, but they were there with doubts. We can only guess what their doubts might have been. I'm sure it went through their mind, is this, is this real? Is this the really real? Is he really alive or is he a ghost? Is he just a spirit? Are we being tricked? You know, the resurrection, it doesn't matter when, any resurrection from the dead, any time a body that is dead and in the tomb is no longer in the tomb and that body is alive, that's not the norm. It wasn't the norm in the first century. Don't, Don't be thinking, oh yeah, He's going to be raised from the dead. That's not what they were thinking. It's not normal for somebody to be raised from the dead. Not any more normal then than now. It, It was not easy to believe that he was alive, even when you were in the story. No wonder. We too can have doubts. I mean, it's true. I, I make no bones about it. I want everybody to look for Jesus. I mean, I don't have a platform to the world, but if I could talk to the world, to every human being on the world, we could sit down and have coffee and tea and cookies together. That'd be a lot of cookies over the course of time. Somewhere in that conversation, I would say, you know, are you looking for Jesus? I want everybody to look for Jesus. Even better, I want everybody to find him. I want everybody that I know to enter into a relationship with Jesus. And when when it comes right down, I want everybody to recognize who he is, which means I want all of us to worship him. I don't think there's anyone else worthy of our worship. And I sure want people today to know it's okay to have doubts. And I and I I think I think I think I'm right most of the time 
the problem isn't Jesus. People aren't struggling with Jesus so much. The doubts usually come from the people that they've known who declare that they're following Jesus, but they live in ways that are contrary to who Jesus is and what Jesus teaches. There was a pastor that wrote an article in February that I, I just want to read you one line from it, quoting this pastor. Evangelical leaders have to make it clear in our sermons and in our interactions with members in our community that racism, Christian nationalism, conspiracy theories, political extremism are all at odds with the teachings of Jesus Christ. I hope we can remove all of that from the conversation so we can see Jesus. Are you looking for Jesus? You're going to find him among the living. He's not dead. And as you find him, I want, I mean, will you follow him? He's going to invite you to follow him. Are you going to follow him? And then as you follow him, will you begin to worship him? And will you know that it's okay to worship him even when you have lingering doubts? He's not concerned about that. Because the reality is, as we worship Jesus, he addresses all of our doubts. It's only a matter of time that he answers all our questions. Are you looking for Jesus? Do you have any comments or any questions that you want to share with us this morning? cookies would you give a comment <laughs> so different than us so Molly was was for those that didn't hear that so Molly was sharing that um, over Easter she she recognized that that when those first followers of Jesus had doubts about his resurrection that didn't put him off that brought him nearer you know I think you're thinking about Thomas Thomas you're struggling put your hand right here touch me right here where my wound is Touch me here. So the, there's this invitation. I, again, I just, it's God wants us to know him. And so our doubts, they don't, he, I'm, well, okay. If you're going to doubt me, then I'm just going to pull away. 
He's not like that at all. I mean, I'm like that, but God's not like that. So, yeah, great comment. Yeah. No, I don't think that's over-spiritualizing. Thanks for putting that. It's another great comment that you know, many times we try to figure out in our own mind where we're going to find Jesus. And, uh, and I would just add to, he told the disciples where he's going to be. I'm not going to be on a cross. I'm not going to be in the tomb. I'm not going to be in Jerusalem initially. I'm going to be in Galilee on the mountain. But they were frightened. I mean, the circumstances of what was going on, they were frightened. They were in hiding. I mean, twice, you know, tell them, you're going to find me here. Tell them, you're going to find me here. They needed to be convinced to come out of hiding and find him. Then I, the other thing I really love is that uh, he's, he's coming toward us. He's always moving toward us. He's always positioning himself so that we find him. We bump into him. That's, that's really encouraging. God wants us to know him. Jesus wants us to know him. Great, thank you.
Well, I want to encourage all of us uh, in this room and all of us that are online to look for Jesus. There's no one better to find. There's, there's no better friend that I know. Again, there's no one better for me to affix my worship to. And then as Susan added, he does answer my questions. He does answer my doubts. But most of the way, time he does it in a way that is way beyond what I thought it might be. And it's a good surprise. A good surprise. I wanna, I've got a question for you. How many of you have ever done what I just suggested this morning? Like read one chapter of Matthew. One, one day, one chapter a day for a month. You ever done that? Have you ever done that and written down questions you've had? Then have you ever like sat down with another person and kind of gone through that together? I just want to encourage us to do that. I, I, I don't know who that person is in our life, but I think it'd be kind of fun to encourage people to do that with us. You know, each of us with one other person. So just, you know, put that on your list and just consider that and see what happens. As we say farewell, I, I want um, 